I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview was a real treat for me on a whole lot of levels, uh, talking with Sam Pollard about his new film, Sammy Davis Jr., I've Gotta Be Me. What a, what an insightful and entertaining uh, documentary. As, the, as the, uh, the TIFF's website says, a star-studded roster of interviewees, Jerry Lewis, Whoopi Goldwood, Billy Crystal, pay tribute to the legendary multi-talented song, and dance man this is a film as sam says uh, about the greatest entertainer of the 20th century a man who was complicated and uh, friendly and political and controversial a man who had great courage who was complicated and difficult as sam uh, said he, he talks about sammy davis jr in a way that that would suggest that he was a great observer a great entertainer and a great Listener, we talk about race relations in the U.S. and we get into a whole lot of everything. You're going to enjoy the interview. You're going to love the film. Uh, make sure you get out and see it. Its uh, world premiere is happening at TIFF uh, this season. Sammy Davis Jr. I've got to be me. Sam Pollard coming right up. Uh, DavidPeckLive.com. More information about my um, speaking, my writing. Also, FaceToFaceLive.ca for more information about uh, other podcasts. Uh, we're going to be focusing on the Toronto National Film Festival this year and directors from all over the world. And don't forget rabble.ca as well for more uh, thinking, reading, writing, and listening there for all things that matter. Sam Pollard coming right up. Sammy Davis Jr., I've Got to Be Me. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest today. I'm absolutely thrilled to have Sam Pollard, director and professor Sam Pollard here with us today uh, on the line, I think calling in from New York, but we're not quite sure. Sam, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me, David. And yes, you are calling me from New York City. You are nice. calling me from New York. I'm in New York. And are you going to be coming up to the festival? 
I will be up at the festival for the opening premiere. I'll be at this September 11th through the 14th. The 11th through the 14th, and uh, premiering a film uh, called Sammy Davis Jr., I've got to be me. Uh, my first words, words out of my mouth are, are congratulations. This Thank is a you. remarkable film. It's, it's highly entertaining. It's so much fun. It's so relevant to what's going on in the world today. I don't really know where to start, to be honest with you. There's so many ways we could come into this conversation. We could sort of start at the end. We've got so many uh, remarkable guests that you've been able to uh, bring into the conversation. Billy Crystal and Whoopi Goldberg. We've got an appearance from Michael Jackson near the end of the film. How do you put it into words when somebody says, so, so, what, so what's the film about other than Sammy Davis Jr.? The way I would describe it, David, it's a film about one of the greatest entertainers of the 20th century. Sammy Davis Jr. was a singer, an impressionist, a dancer, an actor, a comic. He was a, he was a renaissance man. He was phenomenal. He was a musician. He could play instruments. And so to me, it's about one of the great entertainers of the 20th century, Sammy Davis Jr., who was also a man of color, African-American man, who lived in a very complicated time during the years of Jim Crow, and how he struggled with that, and how he struggled with the issues of identity through his whole career and his life. So you say you say it was a complicated time, Sam. I mean, are you talking specifically about race? Are you talking about about politics? Are you talking about uh, uh, relationships overall? I mean, is it is it kind of more of a global thing, or was it very specific to the U.S.? I think it's I think it's specific to the U.S. I think it's about race and it's about politics. You know, it's about a time in America where we had our own sort of apartheid. Well, we had our own apartheid in America. He was a man who could not go in the front door of certain clubs and restaurants in the 40s and 50s had to, and was beaten and heckled and painted and, you know, really treated atrociously as a young man. He was a man who wanted to entertain people and be a great entertainer and struggled with it. He was a man who sometimes wasn't quite sure where he stood as an African-American in this culture during the 60s, during the civil rights movement, during the black power movement. You know, he was a man who, who looked forward to sitting and sleeping in the Lincoln bedroom at the White House. You know, this was a struggle for him. So a conflicted soul. A conflicted soul, exactly. That's what he was. He's a very conflicted man. You know. You, you... I love the way you open up the film with him quote, uh, uh, saying, quote, I'm colored, Jewish, and Puerto Rican. He, he refers to himself, I believe, as a one-eyed, a one-eyed Negro Jew in the film. You bring that out in a couple of times in a few That's different true. places. So very intentional, clearly, on your part. Uh, here's a guy who was uh, clearly um, you know, working through some of his own personal issues, relational issues. He lived for the stage. In fact, I think somebody near the end of the film might have been even Harry, Harry Belafonte who said he was only really himself when he was on stage. Exactly. That's where, he, that's where he felt most comfortable. Here was a man who liked to go on stage. He could stay on the stage for an hour and a half, two hours just to perform. He was needy. He's an entertainer. Entertainers need, you know, they need the, the love of an audience. And he loved that. I mean, that's, that's what he was all about. Think about it. Here was a man with his uncle and his dad. They, they were called the Will Maston Trio, who when they got their big break at Ciro's, they, they were supposed to be the, the second act, the supporting act of Janice Page. They come on the show. They don't do their regular set. They go, Sammy goes all out. He does an hour set. You know, because he's so needy. 
he wants an audience to love him, and he could get an audience to love him. He was he was just such a phenomenal entertainer, but he was also a needy human being, you know. And the stage was his home. So it's it's really interesting. I think it's an interesting metaphor for a whole lot of things. But I want I want to get I want to come back to that. What what do you think, Sam, about the political power of celebrity? I mean, you've been working in film for years. You've you've a ton of work with Spike Lee. You worked on some brilliant films over the years. What about that? Is that is that was that part of the tension that he was feeling? Was that part of his issue that here he was in this time, as you say, this apartheid in the U.S. Did he also feel a heavy responsibility as this man of influence who who could actually change the conversation? I mean, he speaks so eloquently. He says, you know, at one point in the film, you bring it out quite clearly that he wasn't educated, and yet he comes across as this insightful, thoughtful, uh, deeply intimate and relational guy who can also tap, tap dance like nobody's business. Yeah, but here's a man who understood he didn't have education, but he was a reader. You know, he was he was really observer and a listener, so he learned and he mm. read. But think about it this way: when the '60s comes along and the and the civil rights movement is at its at its peak, here's Sammy, who's also at his peak with the Rat Pack, with his movie career, with his singing career, and he's reluctant, as you see in the film, he's reluctant to to engage in the civil rights movement. It takes forces. It takes the Harry Belafontes. It takes the Sidney Poitiers. It takes the Ossie Davises. It takes the Ruby Dees. And takes Dr. King to persuade that persuade Sammy to get involved. You know, so you know he was he was he wasn't like Harry Belafonte who knew he wanted to be on the front lines of the civil rights movement. Sammy was a reluctant you know in person to get engaged in the movement. You know, and that was always his approach. He was reluctant. But when he did stand up and come to the fore, he had a point to make, a, a social point and a political point. Now, not, now, the other thing to remember there, though, David, that all the things he said sometimes rubbed the wrong way with the rest of the black community. I mean, him going to Vietnam when it was, you know, people were anti-Vietnam was something that rankled people the wrong way. Him supporting Richard Nixon in 1971 for the 72 and 72 was also something that rankled the, you know, the community. And Sammy had to deal with it. He had to face it. He had to confront it, as you see, when he went to uh, Operation Push to perform, and the audience initially booed him. They booed That's right. Sammy. Yeah. They That's right. This great yeah. entertainer. And he's and he's up there, you know, vulnerable. This is the thing you remember about Sammy Davis Jr. Well, <laughs> Sam, the beautiful, the beautiful, the beautiful line is: I wrote it down. You might disagree with my politics, but uh, I will not allow anyone to take away the fact that I'm black. That's is right. what he said at Operation he was, Pushback. He was, he was still a black man. He was still a black man. You may not agree with him, but you had to accept that he had a point of view. You may not agree, but it was his point of view. You know, and he's amazing. He's an amazing, very interesting human being. The thing to remember, you know. Most of us are very complicated human beings. The difference is that Sammy was front and center for many people to see all the time. He was always out there. Most performers, most celebrities, prefer not to get politically involved. When they do, sometimes they have to get the pushback. You know, you saw that with Meryl Streep when she was at the Golden Globes. Sure. You, know, you, you see that with Alec Baldwin imitating Trump. People get pushback. Now... I have to give it to Sammy for being courageous enough to stand up and present himself politically, you know, to, to the American audience at that time, knowing that he could get pushback. 
Well, it makes you wonder too, uh, you know, his reluctance, his reluctance to get involved as an activist and you so sort of set that out so well, uh, biographically, you know, these different chapters in his life and, and just how multi-talented he really, he really was. I mean, he, uh, uh, what was the line, uh, Jack of all trades and master of a all. Ball. Right. <laughs> yeah, he was, right. he was, think of it this way here. He could sing. Yeah. He's a phenomenal dancer. You know, yeah. he could play the piano. He could play the, the vibraphones. He could play the trumpet. He could play the bass. This guy was a great singer. This guy was a phenomenal, phenomenal impressionist. He he had it all. He really had it all. Well, it kind of makes me wonder what what his life would have been like had he got into politics. Who knows? You know, you know, he could have he could have made probably made some some kind of dent, some kind of change. But you never know. I mean, I'm not sure he was a man to be in politics. Really, he's not. You know, I I would say this, David. I don't think he's like a Harry Belafonte. Who up front? Who was always up front and center about his politics and where he stood from when he started met Dr. King in the fifties, even to the present day. Sammy was a little more wishy, like most people, really. Yeah. Well, absolutely right, and this is what I think is so beautiful about the film, uh, Sam. And by the way, I, I don't think I've said it on 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 uh, on tape here. Or on can I say on tape? Uh, congratulations again. I just I, I, I was so engrossed right from the get go, uh, and a, a dear friend of mine who passed away about ten years. I couldn't help but think of him. He grew up in vaudeville, uh, a ventriloquist, and I mean, I just I was sitting with him. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he played some of the same clubs. Uh, his name was Gene Sneed. And and I couldn't help but uh, just just smile uh, on behalf of Gene as I was watching this film. Sure. Um, you know the 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 commentary, the racial commentary, what's happening in the U.S. right now. You know uh, the 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 lines that that Sammy not only crossed, but the 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 ways he was trying to bring people together. The kiss on All in the Family, uh, uh, marrying you know a very. Uh, uh, marrying a white woman, uh, breaking down barriers. Michael Jackson refers to him in song as a door. He opened doors to others. Uh, he tells the story about going into the army and, and, and knocking a guy down. And, and he says, yeah, you know, and the guy who, who he knocks over, he gives him two, I think he uses the phrase, he gave him a couple of Sundays. He got a couple of good punches in, knocks him down, and the guy says, yeah, you know what? You beat me, but you're still a black man. Still a nigger. You say still a nigger. Thank you. So, you're you know. st yeah. And, 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 and then Sammy goes on to say, even if you win, you don't win. Right. Is, is, that, kind, is that kind of where we're at today? Well, you know, the, the issue of race in America, David, is never going to go away. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's in the DNA of this country with slavery. You know, it's a part of who we are. And... You try, you know, the, the struggle to, 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 for equality and struggle for acceptance has never subsided. I mean, it's changed. It's a better America than it was when my mother and father grew up in the 40s and the 50s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, and when Sammy grew up. But as you could see in Charlottesville, up in, from Toronto, there's still lots of hate, lots of resentment, lots of anger, because... We live in a world, and this is not just in America, but we live in a world where people need to always feel that they are better than someone else to make them mm -hmm. feel better. You know that. I mean, why do we have all these wars everywhere? It's this constant need for people to say, I'm better than you. I live better than you. I could be better than you. You know, you should not be my equal. 
And sadly, this is a struggle that we will continually have to fight in America. I would like to have thought that by the time we got to the 21st century, that things would change. But sadly, it hasn't changed completely, you know. And in some ways, you know, David, the election of Barack Obama as president sort of took the cover off some stuff that we thought had been that had gone. It was just dormant. And when Obama became president, it's like someone said to me at the Sundance Film Festival around the, the first term of Obama, said, she said, I think we live in a post-racial society. And I said, I, I don't think so. And it's clear that we don't. Just look at Charlottesville. Just look at what Trump says. We don't live in a post-racial society. The issue of race is going to be dogging America probably till, like like all empires, it falls. <laughs> I was um, I was watching Trevor Noah last night with my wife uh, Elizabeth and I were were kind of uh, religious watchers. We're big fans. And Brian Johnson of the Equal Justice Initiative was on, and he said that. We're, we're never going to get to that place, to maybe that post-racial place. I'm not even sure what that means exactly. But anyway, we're never going to get there unless we are um, able to um, talk about these issues, actually get them on the table in a way right. that it seems like we're not willing to do. Because it makes people uncomfortable. It's like people saying... Like people, it's like listening to people on the, in the media and people saying, well, Trump is not a racist. You know, they want to speak to the fact that he is, you know. Oh, no, he's not a racist. Well, then the, you have to ask the next question. Well, how do you define what a racist is and what a racist is not? That's the dialogue you need to have. I mean, it's sometimes the people politically incorrect because of the way they were brought up or is it or is something else going on inside of them? Trump talks about the fact that there was equal size of people who were, 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 you know, causing problems on the left and the right. But you think back to the Central Park Five and how Trump dealt with that and calling mm. these young men thugs and criminals and stuff because he was raised to perceive us, perceive black people in a certain way. Now, my family grew up in the South. Now, some white Southerners, they don't think of themselves as racist, but they see themselves as saying, I am different than you. I'm better than you. Some don't see that. But, you know, so it becomes, you're right, it's about having a conversation. And sometimes it's, it's, it's a difficult conversation, but it's one that needs to be had. So is that, is that what, what somebody who sees uh, uh, your new film, uh, are they going to just walk out of the theater going, wow, what an incredible entertainer? You know, as Billy Crystal said, this is, this is a genius. This, you know, this is something that's not taught. I mean, I, I loved what Billy Crystal said, by the way, about Sammy and about how his talent just kind of, just, it was a part of, and Whoopi, I think, as well, just it was a part of who he yeah. was. Yeah. It, to, it, I mean, we'd have to talk a little bit more about what it means that it's just a part of your DNA. I mean, clearly, I think it was more than that with Sammy, myself, from what, what I saw in, in, in the film. But what, what's the average viewer going to walk away with? Is this the kind of story that's going to sit with them, that's going to that's gonna fester a little, Sam? I think, I think it's one of these kind of films that there'll be some people in the audience that'll walk away saying, wow, he was... I forgot how great an entertainer he was. And right, there'll, be, right. there'll be some people who come out of the theater who will say, wow, he's a great entertainer, but man, what a life, what a complicated life he had. Struggling with, you know, his feelings about Kim Novak and marrying my Brit, you know, and being uninvited to the, to the Kennedy inauguration gala, you know, and having to deal with being a member of the Rat Pack and, and the reaction to the community 
from the community when he hugged Nixon. This guy's life was very complicated. He was a man who didn't understand about how to deal and handle money, you know, mm. who spent money like it was turning on the faucet. So you're going to see so many facets of Sammy's life that you'll come away either saying he was a great entertainer and that's, that's enough, or you'll say he was a great entertainer, but boy, was he a complicated human being. And that's what I hope the latter happens. I, I hope there's more of the latter. Well, I mean, and and in truth, I mean, I mean, we we've already talked about it, but we're all walking contradictions. I mean, we we're That's just right. it's it's paradox, right? Paradox, contradiction, exactly. complexity. Exactly. That's all we all are. The difference is, is that he's on a bigger canvas <laughs> than most of us. Bigger, big, bigger canvas. But what's interesting about him is, I mean, he took these obstacles, and instead of what you would think a superficial entertainer would be, and I don't consider him to be that at all, by the way, and right. thank you for providing that insight into his life, but he kind of took these things head on. I mean, I mean, he, I, he, I can't help but be struck by the moment where he was in Golden Boy and, 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 and the kiss, the kiss on stage, and, and he says, are you, are you ready? are you ready for the aftermath? Of That's what's right. going to happen? This black man and this white woman, first time on stage kissing, yeah. and he and he does and he does it anyway. Yeah, you know, not to say that he wasn't frightened, but he knew <laughs> right. I had to do it. He had to do it. You know, he always had to do it. I mean, he felt he had to break barriers, knowing the consequences, knowing the fears, knowing the the, the backlash he would get. But he felt he had a right to do those things, and he should have had a right, like any human being. Well, see, this is what makes him an interesting entertainer to me, Sam, because he's not just—he's not just working for the paycheck at that point. Oh, he's actually—he's actually subverting. I mean, he's doing more than subverting. He's taking—he's—he's he's running into controversy. He's running into political dialogue. He's running into issues head-on on stage, on camera. Uh, 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 and somebody in the film said uh, that uh, he illuminated the truth in his singing, which I thought was brilliant. Right. No, listen, here is a man who was at the top of his game by the early 60s, and he felt he could, he could voice who he was and what he felt and how he looked at life, you know? And that comes from a sense of, I have reached this pinnacle in my career, and I can do that. Now, he had to deal with the, the, the brickbats, but he was, he was able to withstand them. He, did he struggle with a spirituality? I mean, obviously, he converts to Judaism later in life, and he said at one point, uh, you, 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 you put in so uh, what I thought was wise in the film, you know, I, I was shopping for something to believe in. Did yeah, he I, come from, I mean, it sounded like he came out of a family of a, a faith tradition, and yeah, then he kind of... Yeah, he came out of a family with whatever Christians. I don't know if they were, they were, you know, every Sunday went to church, but they were Christians. And... Obviously, as a man who was sort of struggling with who he was and where he was and who he should be, he was looking for he was looking for a connection. That seems pretty normal to me. And so when he when he when he found a Jewish religion, that was something that he felt a connection to. He felt the connection, and it also probably had to do with that. Listen, he, he grew up in the entertainment industry. That there were a lot of great Jewish performers and entertainers who he interacted with. You know, and he got to like them, admire them, and he understood them. And he obviously felt there was some connection to who they were spiritually and, and, and from a religious perspective that attracted to him, that was attractive to him. You know, meeting Eddie Cantor, knowing Jerry Lewis, all of these guys. So that's what made him decide he wanted to, to, to embrace the Jewish religion, Judaism. 
So there's we're probably going to have to uh, wrap it up here in a few minutes, I guess, Sam. And I, I, this is the kind of conversation I want. I want to go on all day personally. Um, but why do you think? And I think you touch on it in the film. But why? Why does the Rat Pack embrace Sammy Davis Jr.? Why do they bring him in? At a, and somebody in the film uh, says, you know, the Rat Pack gave the illusion that that um, America was integrating at the time in the 60s, when in actual fact that wasn't the case at all. wasn't the case, but think of it this way. He was, he idolized Frank Sinatra. In the early 40s, Frank Sinatra takes a liking to him because, you know, Sinatra was an underdog. He loved underdogs, no matter what color they were. You know, so he became sort of of someone who who wanted to help Sammy Davis Jr. So as his career evolved, he felt like he wanted to pull Sammy along with him. At the same time, there's Dean Martin, there's Joey Bishop, all these different guys, you know, doing their different things, and they come together. So it's sort of like Frank says, you know, listen, I made it. There should be room for someone like Sammy Davis Jr., who is phenomenal talent. Sammy saw Frank saw his talent. Frank realized he was a great talent, and so he embraced them. Now, you know and I know that we don't get into as much. That relationship between Sammy and Frank was complicated, too. It wasn't all lollipops and ice cream, you know. But, again, these are two human beings who are competitive and got egos, and so they're struggling with who wants to be the top dog. Now, Frank was the top dog, and anytime Sammy tried to step out of that place, you know, Frank smacked him down, which has been documented. So, Right, right. I think it's a wonderful little bit of business in the film when, I mean, he's quite the impressionist. And again, another, another barrier, another line that he steps across when he starts to uh, impersonate white, white people, Humphrey Bogart, and so on. No and his else. father tells him, you, you better not do that again or I'm going to kill you. Yes, because think of it this way. Back in the 40s, no black entertainers were doing that, David. No yeah. one was no one was imitating Jimmy Cagney and Ever G. Robinson and Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant and Dean. Nobody was doing that. No no black entertainers was doing that. Was Sammy was breaking barriers because he just felt good. He was good at it and he wanted to do it. You know, sometimes he was just doing these things because he says I should be able to do it, knowing that uh oh he's overstepping the norm, which makes him a ground a, a, you know a barrier breaker. Absolutely. What I love is the irony that here he has to impersonate somebody else, a white man. He has to impersonate a white man in order to to push back, to challenge the status quo. So in other words, I, I, he, he has to be fake in order to get to the truth. It's beautiful. Exactly it's a beautiful right. irony. That's right. It is a beautiful irony. Beautiful it irony. Really, it really is. It's just such a, uh, it's such a wonderful film. It, it, it made me smile. Uh, I, I, it, 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 challenged my own thinking about, about, uh, uh, about celebrity and about politics and about, I mean, the whole piece, the whole bit on Kennedy and how the Democrats sort of pushed Sammy away is, is truly remarkable. It's a commentary on partisanship. It's, this film is about inclusion. It's about relationships. It's about, it's about going a little bit deeper. It's, I can't believe that Sammy was picketed by Nazis, as you say in the film, and here we are, what, not even six weeks ago, that's watching right. Watching some of this very same thing same play thing out happened. in the U.S. Same thing happened. So, you know, I hope that this film touches people not only from a historical perspective, but from a contemporary one also.
Anyway. Sam, thanks for your thanks for your time today. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, Sam Pollard talking about Sammy Davis Jr. I Gotta Be Me, his new film coming up at the Toronto International Film Festival very soon. Sam, I hope I hope we do actually get to meet and uh, well, shake. I hope, I hope you come to the premiere. If you, can. I hope I can make it. I I, I definitely will. Uh, it's Monday night. That. Monday night, September eleventh, nine forty-five. So try thanks to meet. Again, Thank you again, David. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.